Hey, listener, this is Josh Elledge, CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. We are actively seeking guests for our daily commercial-free entrepreneurial inspiration podcast. If you know someone who is doing six to eight figures in business, send them our way. Just go to UpMyInfluence.com slash guest. Let's get on with the show. With us right now, Dan Nicholson. Dan, you're the CEO of Nth Degree CPAs, which I like. I like that. It's fun to say. Nth Degree, uh, spelled like you would imagine, NTH. <laughs> DegreeCPAs.com. Dan, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, really excited to be here. Thanks for having me on, Josh. Yeah, so to, to go ahead and explain what Nth Degree CPAs does, what you who you are, and, and why Nth Degree? Yeah, well, where I, I like to tell, what I, where I usually like to start with folks when they hear CPA, maybe that like gives them a little bit of anxiety because they're like, oh, ta- ta- he's going to talk about things that I hate. So uh, <laughs> what I usually like to tell people, okay, take it. Take a deep breath. This is a safe space. Uh, I consider myself to be an entrepreneur first. I was that cliche kid growing up scheming on business ideas. Got an accounting degree and technology degree because I thought, oh, that's going to be the best skill set to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. And then I ended up doing a, a fellowship at the board that writes all the accounting standards. And that put my career, and it was a technical standard, derivatives and hedging activities, uh, put my career in a whole weird path for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, in derivatives, hedging, capital markets. And uh, and then I realized, hey, maybe I'm pretty good at this accounting tax thing. And mm. long story long, an opportunity to do something different in the CPA space. And so that was sort of my first full-time foray, foray into entrepreneurship where I could give myself permission to, mm. to leave the comforts of a day job. Uh, first person in my family to go to college too. And so I struggled with young guy making more than my parents ever have. And I'm not, and I'm not content with it and f- feeling bad knowing my dad's working six days a week, getting up at two 30 in the morning. Uh, so I've chose nth degree because it means to take something to its logical conclusion. And that's what we do. Uh, we use tax, we use accounting as a mechanism to help our clients get to what they care about faster. So it's really about your priorities, meeting each client at their point of need and showing them how, hey, if you pay $30,000 less in tax and you fed that back into something that gets a rate of return, we can fund all of your priorities in half the time or whatever it may be. So that's, it's not just the tax planning or not just the tax prep, it's connecting the cash flow back to what they care about. And that's that's what uh, excites me about what we do uh, at nth degree and what we do in some of our related businesses. Yeah. I, you know, well, listen, I could, I could argue that, um, you know, the first consultant, you know, or at least one of the very first consultants, I think a serious business owner should hire is going to be a financial, you know, someone, someone to help with the books, you know, someone to help with taxes, certainly. I mean, unless you just happen to have that skill set, uh, I, I, it's, it's one of the easy investments to generate positive ROI in terms of hiring out. So it's, it's, it's an easy sell from my perspective. I I don't know what your experience is. Well, when you look at someone's financial picture in total, what you'll see is that taxes is usually their biggest expense. 
Mm-hmm. And eventually maybe it's their second or third biggest expense if they've hired employees or they've got a lot of costs of goods sold. But it's generally one of their, if not their biggest expense, one of their three biggest expenses. And it tends to be the thing that's least optimized. It's, um, they really uh, probably worked, most accountants are archeologists, they just dig up the past. Taxes is behavior-based, meaning if you wanna pay less in tax, you have to behave differently, you have to behave more like an investor or corporation. So you can't look in the past, you have to look in the future. And they just don't have someone on their team that's helping them do that. Mm. The consequence of that is that small business owners pay on average 40 to 60% tax. Big corporations Yikes. pay 20% or less. Ah, oh. Yeah, and it's it's not because the tax laws are designed to penalize small business owners, right? It's just the fact that small business owners typically aren't uh, maximizing their tax savings uh, advantages. That's right. The the sort of uh, that whole iceberg thing where you see what do I know and what do I don't know. Mm. What they don't know is so substantial because, and why would they know? No one is telling them about the Augusta loophole or R and D credit or how to use real estate professional status as examples. They're not they're not being told that. Meanwhile. The sophisticated investor or the business, the big business, they have a business plan for their taxes. And that's being worked throughout the year because they understand that uh, it is one of their three, potentially one of their three biggest expenses. Yeah. Well, okay. So you had mentioned, uh, I, I heard a couple of things that I'd, uh, I, I'm i familiar with, the Augusta rule, for example. Would you mind maybe just kind of explaining or illustrating some examples of tax savings that you're probably not taking advantage of as a small business owner? Sure. I, I just spoke at a conference a couple of days ago, uh, and it was a group of primarily chiropractors. And I started by saying, would it be okay if I gave all of you $15,000 right now? <laughs> And of course they said, yes, they just got an ROI on their trip and all that to this conference. And uh, that's because chiropractors uh, qualify generally some portion of the time for the federal R&D credit, research and development tax credit. People think about R&D as being just, I must be an IT company. But the way that the code is written, it's really about keeping US tech, keeping technical workers in the U.S., developing a new product or process that's technological or biological in nature. Well, if you're a chiropractor or dentist, for example, uh, almost every patient you're developing a new process for them, Mm. right? uh, The protocol you're using to adjust them, there's a process of experimentation. Your dentist, you're creating a crown for them. That's unique to each person. It's customized to that person. There's some experimentation. Um, so 47 industries qualify for the federal R&D credit. Uh, and the credits are the most ideal because that is actual savings. $5,000 credit is worth $5,000. On average, chiropractors qualify for about $5,000 per year credit. Uh, dentists, more than that, closer to $10,000 per year. And other industries, something uh, similar. So that's one example, R&D credit. Yeah. Yeah, this is great. Okay, so um, is it expensive to hire a financial, uh, you know, someone to help with with some of this stuff? I this is going to probably sound cliche, but I would say it's expensive not to. Yeah. So on average, business owner with two hundred fifty to three hundred thousand in revenues, overpaying in tax twenty to thirty grand. Mm. 
Now, if you take that 30 grand uh, every year and you reinvest it in the S&P 500, something boring, you get an average 9.8% rate of return. You know, and you're doing that year after year, that's millions of dollars over the course of 20, 30 year time frame, right? Compound interest and all that. So the consequence is not just the $30,000 that you overpaid in tax. The consequence is the 30,000 plus compound interest yeah. for years and years and years of time. So people will look at us and go, yeah, you guys are expensive. And I go, well, what other investment are you going to make right now? That's going to yield just this year, mm-hmm. a 500% rate of return. And over the next 10 years, tens of thousands, because we're going to show you how to reallocate it into something that's going to generate more money for you. Yeah. Can can you talk about the difference between a tax pl- or, or a, a you know kind of a, a tax just run in the mill tax preparer versus sure. a tax strategist? Yeah, think about it in the context of you're building your dream dream home. You got to hire two people. You got you hire the architect, and they're going to really sit down with you and meet, understand your vision and what's important to you about your life and how's the experience going to be living in your house and. When are you retiring? Because maybe we don't want to build a three-story house if you're going to retire in you know, five years and the ability to move where you want a one-story because you're worried about uh, being able to move around the house. Mm-hmm. And that's there's the architect. And then ultimately, that goes to the builder. The builder is not necessarily asking about your, your goals and vision. They're building based off the plan, right? They're just collect, collecting the information. So that by way of analogy, it's kind of what exists in every professional service business, but tax in particular, where there's kind of two types of people. There's the architect who can, who wants to know your vision and have the deep conversations and goals and look at your whole picture. And then there's the people who just want to do the doing. They just want to build it. So most CPAs, I call them archaeologists. They just want to dig up the past. They just want their builders. They yeah. take your information. They put it in the tax software. There's a place for that. They're not really saving you money. That's the architect. So in our firm, we have architects and builders. The architect is the strategist. And it really needs to be two separate people, at least otherwise you're looking for a unicorn, right? There's not very many folks who uh, can really sit down and talk to you, have a deep conversation priority, and then they want to, then they can pivot their brain completely to digging into tax software and inputting things and, and then going back to the like context switching. So it's really uh, two people you need on your team. Our firm, we supply both sides, architect, looking out to the future, builder, the person who's going to make sure you're fully in compliance. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Um, so Dan, um, you know, what types of companies are business owners, businesses do you work with? And, and uh, you know, what would be maybe some examples of some uh, maybe case study, you know, uh, great, great experiences, success stories, that sort of thing? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would describe who we work with as purpose-driven entrepreneurs. Mm. And what I mean by that is folks who are building a business to serve them or their family or some legacy. So money is part of the equation, but the money is, and there's some reason beyond that. Maybe they want to change their family tree, legacy, lifestyle, want to pay for their kids' college. There's just some, something more than that. And that's most business owners. They've often just got stuck in the drudgery of day-to-day um, 
just trying to maintain cash flow and all the ups and downs that they end up sacrificing kind of the things where reasons why they started their business to begin with. Mm -hmm. So purpose-driven entrepreneurs, uh, typically 300,000 to uh, 10 million in revenue. Um, 300,000 is really the point where we, there's enough there that we can generate savings. The more they make, the bigger the savings. That's just a reality. Uh, We, my previous life was kind of helping billionaires make more billions is the way I typically describe (laughs) it. Yeah. And it was soul sucking. So it's not that we can't do the work because my team has all come from self-selected out of that. So it's not, we can't do the work. I find the work to be uh, unrewarding, arbitrary. So I like sit, I like sitting down with business owners in 30 minutes. We impact their life in a material way. Previous world. We have meetings about meetings to talk about future meetings when maybe we might do something, right? It's just so many levels of, of red tape. So, um, that's sort of our ideal uh, clients. Uh, and then I think you asked about case studies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I noticed you're downtown, right downtown Seattle. Um, so you're probably, you know, you're surrounded by a lot of great, you know, kind of Seattle oriented businesses. Uh, of course, yeah. you know, huge tech, uh, you know, uh, I would imagine maybe some tech clients you're working with. Yep. Yeah. yeah, so we have... Uh, we have clients uh, all over all 50 states and something like 20 countries at this point wow. and uh, have team members uh, across the U.S. at this point with the way virtual and everything has kind of played played out. So we're really a, a kind of national and to some extent a global company. We do work with technology, we work with a lot of um, professional service type businesses and medical practitioners, like I mentioned, the chiropractors, dentists, things like that, because they tend to be high income earners, but haven't, haven't been given kind of any sort of strategies. So I'll give you, I'll give you the most extreme case study, I guess, just to illustrate what's possible. I'll give you two examples. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is uh, husband and wife earned about two and a half million dollars a year of medical uh, in the medical space and with the cares act that came out in 2020, the, the coronavirus related bill, you can carry back real estate losses to offset prior years. You in the past, you weren't able to do that. So they achieved in 2020, something called real estate professional status. It doesn't have anything to do with being a real estate broker. Um, it's a purely hours based test. And what it means is if you achieve it, you can take real estate losses against all your other sources of income wages, business income, stocks, dividends, et cetera. And so they acquired enough properties in 2020 and then using a strategy called cost segregation studies and something called partial dispositions on paper loss was enough where they could offset uh, essentially all of the income from the previous five years. So that yielded them uh, somewhere North, I think of $3 million in refunds from the previous years. And the point of that is that they bought all their property, but they got the refund. The refund basically <laughs> covered, you know, the down payments necessary to buy the properties, right? They got it. And so that's where you have now created a flywheel where you're taking the savings, you're reallocating it to buy more. By buying more, you're getting more deductions. And so that's how over a period of years, folks can build up uh, 
legacy wealth. Right? So that's a that's an extreme uh, example. Uh, but if you said, "Hey, I don't want to pay any federal income tax," I'd say, "Well, real estate professional or short-term rentals is a long-standing strategy that works." But it, it's got to come back to what do you want? So it works, but we got to change our behavior to be able to access it. So is that does that align with your goals, your priorities? If not, let's come up with something else. Yeah. Um, so how did, Dan, obviously you guys have gone through some growth over the years. Um, what's your recommendation to other CPAs that, that, that they want to grow their CPA firm? Like, what are you guys doing right? Yeah, I think it starts with creating contrast. I tell folks this all the time in their marketing, which is, I remember when I was uh, at a firm right before I started this, and we do these pitches and they go like, well, how are you guys different? Now, this is 12 years ago. So uh, not as uh, crazy then, but it's like, well, we have a client portal where you can securely upload documents. Like, okay, well, that's not really creating much contrast. Or, you know, we work really hard and we pride ourselves on being responsive. Like, okay, well, doesn't everyone do that? So I try and create contrast. And that's why I try and differentiate there's archaeologists, they dig up the past. We just do the opposite. We're looking towards the future. And here's why that matters to, to you, the, uh, the prospective client. And so it's, it's uh, uh, what I try and do, create the contrast that shows that we're clearly different, but in a way that's non-technical, that's in, I call it, mm -hmm. it's called T-learning, but I'm just borrowing from things that aren't from the accounting industry, but you already know about. You already know about an archaeologist, or you already know about archaeologists and architects and builders, and and so you already understand that. Or you explain it in that context rather than in some technical accounting way. So we have a lot of different terms that we use, ways that we describe compound interest, for example, that are yeah. stories or anecdotes. Yeah, aren't technical yeah. at all because people don't really they don't want to become a CPA. No, but they want to understand it a bit enough that they get what they're doing. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's good advice. That's good advice. Okay, so your website, um, just kind of pulling this up, uh, nthdegreecpas.com. So someone's been listening to us, they're like, man, I could use some help. <laughs> what, what, what would you recommend they do um, when they go to your website? Well, a couple things. Um, we do regular uh, webinars about every three weeks or so. I don't, um, so you could sign up it usually will have like a pop-up when we have one coming up. So you could sign up for a webinar and we talk mm -hmm. about all kinds of stuff from real estate professional, right, uh, cryptocurrency and how to think about that. Um, all those sort of things. So you can get a kind of clear snapshot in one of those trainings and walk away with some actionable things. Uh, or you could uh, go down and, and uh, re request a time to meet and then we'll get on the phone and, um, see if uh, we can generate some savings for you. All right, Dan Nicholson, again, your website, Nth Degree CPAs. Dan, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to The Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, please visit upmyinfluence.com dot com slash guest. Now, if you've got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. Now, if you do that, 
tag us with the hashtag UpMyInfluence. Each month, we scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform, and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. Now, what do you win? Well, we're going to promote you and your business to over 120,000 social media fans, totally free. Now, can you also hook us up? Now, in your podcast player right now, please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 minutes a day. Now, my name's Josh Elledge. Let's connect on the socials. You'll find all the stuff we're doing at upmyinfluence.com. Now, thanks for listening, and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Thank you.